welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. We're happy to have you this evening. Our guest tonight is Diana Alvaro. She's a spokeswoman for Verizon Wireless. And we're happy to have Diana on with us because we know with as many disasters as we've seen over the last several years, there's a lot of recovery from those. And part of that is Verizon and how they bring come into the communities affected and bring that critical communication support to those who need it. So we're excited to have Diana on tonight. You may see her uh, or find her familiar if you're in the Charlotte area. She was a local journalist for the Fox 46 station in Charlotte, North Carolina, but now living in New Jersey, working with Verizon Wireless. And she's also uh, was a reporter for ABC and Good Morning America. So uh, Diana, you have covered the gamut of weather. So you know, we normally have our first question is what kind of hooked you into the weather profession, but we know you're back, you're past with reporting on all kinds of weather events. So I'm not going to ask you what hooked you into this, but tell us about some of your memorable events that you've covered so far in your career. Well, I just want to say, first of all, thank you for having me, Carolina Weather Group. And um, Scotty had me at Hurricane because I grew up in the 305 in Miami. And I mean, it, when you grew up in Miami, the hurricanes are just like oxygen, right? Like it's just, you, you just know, like at some point every school year, your mom's going to come pick you up from school early and you're going to go home and like bring in all the plants and the lawn furniture. And back in the day we would tape up the windows and stuff. And so it just, you know, I grew up with hurricanes as part of my, my everyday kind of thing. Even the, the grocery bags from Publix would always have like a map for the hurricanes. You could plot them as, you know, storms developed. And I would do the weather report in the kitchen. Like I'd literally like set up a table in the kitchen and like explain to my family where they were and where they were going. So I think I've always had this fascination with hurricanes and my one of my lifelong goals was covering a hurricane. And I finally got to do that. Um, gosh, I've covered several, but um, my first one was Katrina. Um, that was back in 2006. And I wasn't in uh, Louisiana or Mississippi when it when it came on, on land. I came a week later, because I, I we had a relief effort up in Green Bay, because uh, there was some uh, there was a, a business guy who was from the area that was hit, and so we brought a lot of relief trucks down to the rural areas, because New Orleans was getting a ton of attention, but like some of the outlying areas weren't getting any attention at all. So, uh, but our feed point was in New Orleans, and I remember it was just. Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, if you've been to New Orleans before Katrina and then going in there and everything's on lockdown and half the city is flooded and, you know, the airport was, it was just a, a bizarre experience. And, I, and, I, and, and it took me back to Andrew because I was 12 when Andrew hit Miami and we had just moved a little bit north the year before. And my old house was completely leveled gone like just rubble and my the, the house that we were living in was fine I mean we lost some ceiling tiles and so it just I've always been fascinated by just like the fact that you know these hurricanes it's sheer luck it's sheer luck of the draw 
you know, it could be aiming directly for you and then boom, it suddenly it goes off course and hits something else. And so there's there's a, a, a an awesome and awful power to hurricanes that need to be respected. And there's just always been something about that for me. So that was Katrina. And then um, when I started at ABC uh, News as a correspondent, I covered a lot of them. Most of them ended up being like tropical storms, tropical depressions, maybe cat one, cat twos. But it was still just a really interesting experience to be on the ground for that and, um, you know, be thrown around and, you know, you have to be reporting from your hotel room, but you're like on the balcony and like the rain is hitting you, but then you get to run back inside after your live shot is done and stuff. So it was, it was always an experience. And then, you know, moving to North Carolina and anchoring, I wasn't directly out in it, but we had our fair share of, of storms come in and, and, and the name escapes me, but the, the one that hit, I believe it was 2018 that was, did the massive amounts of damage because of the water, because of the flooding. And, um, you know, so now being on this side of things, being on the response side, it's just fascinating to me to see uh, the array of technology that we have that that is deployed even when something just forms. We're already like prepping to go or ready to go, to go in there and keep everybody connected. And there have been some tough lessons learned for, for Verizon and the response teams in the wake of certain hurricanes that, that taught us lessons that we have put to use since then and has made all the difference. So we can get into all of that, but you know, that explains why I'm, I'm always eager to talk about hurricanes because I just, you know, there's something about them that you know, I'm always interested in hurricanes. Diana, I want to talk about Verizon and the response and the preparations. But one thing I wanted to ask you, we've had several folks in the weather community from Jim Cantori to local meteorologists talk about experiencing hurricanes and covering hurricanes out in the field. But I want to turn it to you because you was behind the anchor desk. Plus, you was out in the field, not uh, being a meteorologist, but you're a journalist. And so you're still trying to tell that story and, and, and show those pictures. What is it like covering an event behind the anchor desk or being the journalist out there, not necessarily a meteorologist who is telling people, you know, the weather conditions, you're telling the people's story. So what is that perspective like? It is a, it, it's a huge responsibility because you can't screw it up. The, this, is, this is when the stakes are so high that lives are at stake, right? And so you have to make sure that you get it right. Um, and, and you also go into it, there's this temptation to, and, and you see it all the time, like to be the hero, right? Like they'll see certain reporters like holding on to street signs and, you know, like screaming as things are flying around them. And you don't want to be that guy. Like you, you just don't, because the thing is, is that if something happens to you, then, you know, who's going to, continue informing the people. And that was always my MO. Like, you know, as beautiful as these storms may be, I need to protect myself in order to be able to tell you, like, listen, take it from me, this area is flooded, do not try and cross it. Or, um, you know, these streetlights are not working or the storm surge has hit this much, you know, like it's uh, this far up on the beach. So you need to be careful. So I always took it as a, as a, a great responsibility. And um, I think part of it too, is just having, having weathered hurricanes as just like a normal person. I'm well aware of, what can happen and like just all the precautions that you have to take like even just like having like ready to eat meals and and clean water on you and a first aid kit and um and then let me tell you like 
I remember very clearly when the eye passed over went with Andrew and nothing is something like that. You never forget it. You know, like I remember like our house is like shaking and I'm looking out the window cause we had like the, the hurricane shutters over the windows, but I could still see a little bit and I'm looking outside and I just see the transformers blowing. Like you just see like green lights, red lights, pink lights, you know, it's just, I'm like, what is that? You know, and you realize that that's the electrical power just going. Um, and then just like watching the tree in my backyard, like finally fall into the lake. And then everything just died down and we opened the door and it was silent, like no birds, no traffic, no nothing. It was just silent. And like we walk outside and we knew that the eye was out and within 10, 15 minutes, the wind had blown, had like started up and it was strong enough to hold me up when I leaned into it. And so, you know, it's like when you have that experience as a, as a 12 year old, if you're covering hurricanes, you sure as hell are not going to put yourself in a position where you or your team are going to get hurt. So it's something that never leaves you, you know, and then the aftermath, of course, I mean, you know, helping people, bringing supplies, seeing people that had ridden out the storm who later regretted it. It's, it's an experience. It's, it's, it's really something that never leaves you. Let's let's transition to talking a little bit about what Verizon does as far as following the weather on a regular basis. And do you guys coordinate with any, you know, government agencies, the National Weather Service or what get, kind of walk us through what, how Verizon follows the weather on a day to day basis? That is something that is being monitored at all times throughout the region. So it's not necessarily even hurricane specific. There, there is a crisis team composed of hundreds of people throughout the company. And um, every time, you know, whenever they meet, there is a, a weather report that's generated and that they discuss, like, for example, like right now, winter storm Shirley is on the radar for, for them to track, to, to see if that's going to have any impact and stuff. Um, but even though hurricane season starts in June and ends in November, as you guys all well know, our hurricane season is year round. I mean, it's it's just, you know, it's constant assessing pre, our previous responses, what could have been done better, you know, all of these postmortems, and then launching these new services, launching these new processes to make sure that we're ahead of the game for the next storm that comes along. So uh, Diana, this is panelist Dan Whitaker here. Um, I have been chasing storms since 2008, and during that time, I've mostly used Verizon for my hotspots. Um, this tornado behind me here uh, is from Alabama uh, in 2011 during the uh, largest recorded outbreak of all time, and uh, I live-streamed that to uh, people while it happened using a Verizon hotspot. Um, so you know, obviously it's, uh, it's been a good thing for us storm chasers, uh, knowing that we can rely on Verizon during those times. Um, when weather like that is looming and you know, it's going to happen. Um, can you talk a little bit about the, uh, how Verizon might prepare for an event like that and, and organize? Yeah. A lot of our natural disasters, uh, involve having to mobilize mobile assets, because we just know that if infrastructure takes a hit 
if any, you know, if there are poles down or, or, or power down or this or that, people have to stay connected. I mean, the, the, you know, their phones are their lifelines in a natural disaster. And so one of the things that's kind of fun to talk about is we have something called the tech barnyard. Has anybody talked to you about this? So we have different names for different assets. And I want to make sure I get this right. So we have cows, colts, horses, goats, and mountain goats, as well as spots. And so I'll, I'll walk you through some of these. Um, Essentially, it's a barnyard of equipment that can be mobilized during a disaster. So the cow stands for sell on wheels. So they'll literally, you know, have assets that will allow them to, um, it's a fully functional generator powered cell site that can replace or enhance network coverage and capacity. So they wheel one of these bad boys in and you're able to use your phone. And in the meantime, they're working on clearing away all the mess and, you know, deploying people to repair anything that that's been cut or is down. So that's a cow. The Colt is a cell on a light truck. So it's a portable cell site, uh, similar to a cow, but fully functional with its own generator and portable tower that can connect with this wireless network using a satellite to transmit cells. And so this was something that, that I talked about with my team that I, I thought would be worth bringing up. So one of the lessons from Hurricane Michael, and I know that you're talking about tornadoes, but there's a lot of parallels here. So one of the, the lessons from Hurricane Michael was the need to have assets that connected to satellites. Because if something comes through and destroys your infrastructure, how are you going to stay connected? And so that launched you know, our teams working on creating as many assets as possible that could be mobilized that connect to satellites. Because in when when you have that kind of a scenario, well, as, as long as you get the cow and the colt there and, and the spot, that's another one. And that one stands for um, satellite pico cell on a trailer. So these different assets, if you can get them to that area and stand them up, people are gonna have their cell service restored much more quickly than if they're waiting on teams to have to like put poles back up and like, you know, put the, the, the cell sites back up. So that's been something that allows people to get connected much more quickly. Um, and then the other ones are the horse. It's an HVAC on roadside equipment, literally, a truck outfitted with an air conditioner and generator to provide the climate control necessary to operate the computing and switching equipment in a cell site or switching tower. Um, so these are just, it's, it's fun names and it just makes it easier for us to remember, but really like you need to deploy the literal barnyard anytime you have a disaster of this kind of a magnitude. Um, so it, it's, it's been great to see that our emergency response teams are constantly learning, constantly innovating, constantly trying to come up with ways to restore people's service even faster because I mean, people don't have landlines anymore. I mean, entire generations are growing up with only a cell phone. And if that doesn't work, what are you gonna do? And it's on us to make sure that everybody stays connected. And by the way, be careful because I was out storm chasing once and those wall clouds are mesmerizing. I remember the storm chaser that we were with, I was with a photographer and I was like, Ooh, cause it, you know, he was like, I think we're going to get something for him. And then it did. And my photographer was like, just give me a couple more seconds. And the storm chaser just grabbed us by the backs of our shirts. was like, out! <laughs> we got to go now. So yeah, it's, it's mesmerizing, right? That's called chasing uh, under the mezzo. So yeah. Mm -hmm. that's right. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Diana, you were talking about the barnyard, which I find mm-hmm. fascinating. We uh, mm-hmm. we had a program last year, Doppler on Wheels, where they put this big Doppler radar out on a truck and it helps storm chasing. But it's really cool to know that there's a cellular cellular network. Uh, my question, though, is, is let's say you were talking about Hurricane Michael, uh, Hurricane Florence in North Carolina a few years ago, and, and that's the recovery. Uh, what, what does a deployment look like? Is it uh, resources that are... Um, maybe asked for by local emergency management or maybe FEMA. Uh, what what is that? What does that deployment look like? Who's asking for those resources? And and what 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 is a given team like? How many members are, are you guys sending out? So here's what's really interesting. I mean, we're talking. I'm trying. I mean, we had so many disasters last year and, and it was almost like everybody had collective disaster fatigue, but you still got to respond to the 20th disaster as well as you did to the first disaster. Right. So essentially what you have is a lot of conversations and a lot of planning taking place at the very beginning of any sort of hint of a crisis or a disaster, because you have cross-functional teams. So um, you have your teams that are going to be working with with local law enforcement. You have your teams that are going to be working directly with FEMA. You have your teams that are going to be working with regulatory agencies and and government officials on the ground. Um, And these are all cross-functional teams, like I said. So you're talking deployments of, of many, many people. I wouldn't have exact numbers for you, but the kinds of things that they're thinking about is, you know, how do we protect, you know, prepare and protect our network. How do we ensure that our 911 lines are working? And if those happen to go down, what is our plan? You know, what is our workaround so that people can still get emergency responders in case of emergency? We have um, our, our teams that are working with the local government on the ground to find out, well, what are your needs? How do we keep you up and running? because this is you know, where the information clearinghouse is gonna be taking place. So there's a lot of those kind of preparatory phone you know, conversations. We will literally bring in hundreds of devices in case you know, their devices aren't working. Well, ours are. So you know, we, can, we can allow these emergency responders to have working devices that can keep them connected. So it's this huge, and, and it ranges on a scale of from it's from one to five. And it starts at, you know, like a, a minor thing to a huge, large scale disaster. And so you scale up or you scale down, depending on what the need is. And you stay flexible as well, because it can start out small and suddenly it's bigger than you expected. And you're just going to have to deploy. And so it's the kind of thing where you know where your mobile assets are at all times. And then you can, you know, our crisis planners will be able to say, okay, you know, we need this many from this state to start now, you know, going. And, you know, the additional ones will be coming from this place. And I sit in on these calls and it's amazing because you're listening to people literally, it's almost like moving pieces on a chessboard, you know, trying to make sure that these areas and these local governments and these communities have everything that they need. I mean, it is a well-oiled machine and it just, they, they just jump right in the moment that there's any sort of hint of something coming. And the nice thing about hurricanes, frankly, is that they give you a heads up so you can start planning. But in cases like what you're talking about, Dan, a tornado comes through and 
you hit the ground running, but you, you don't have the advantage of prep time. And we, we just had a situation in Birmingham, didn't we? I believe it was Birmingham that had some uh, tornadoes go through and I, they sent some pictures around and, and there were the, the local assets, the Colts and the cows and everything, you know, that had been staged in a parking lot and, and people had their service up and running very quickly. Well, Diana, uh, you guys certainly have some interesting technology over at Verizon. And one that I'm particularly interested in are drones. Um, I know that you guys do a lot of disaster simulation. And last October, you all um, did a little test with a, a mobile, maybe mobile isn't the right word, a drone cell service. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and also some of the disaster simulations that you do to be prepared? Yeah, so... Um we do have a drone company called Skyward. Uh, that was one of our more recent acquisitions in the last couple of years. And the things that they're doing are incredible. And um, we're hoping to do a lot more with drones just to, you know, because it, it's just, it allows us to get into areas that are inaccessible to people, but at least, you know, the drones, we can send them up and get a, a better idea of the damage and what we're dealing with. Um, as far as the, the, the practice drills and stuff, so they do them all the time. Uh, they don't necessarily tell us when they're doing them because <laughs> they have to stay fresh. But um, I, I've, seen, I've seen the slides where they kind of lay out how they do them. And it's just, it's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing testing of their equipment, testing of their processes, um, making sure that everybody is responding the way they should be. Um, I don't know how much I'm allowed to tell you about them, but they are happening. That's okay. That's interesting. Uh, well, uh, Diane, I know you, you're running short on time here. Um, a couple more minutes left. Is there anything else that Verizon's doing right now that that is just really cool that we need to know about? I'm not sure it gets as much attention as it should. Uh, one of the things that we're constantly monitoring for is that when an area is impacted by a natural disaster, we really do our best to offer some sort of relief. So I just wanna urge anybody who's listening right now, if you're a Verizon customer and you are affected by a natural disaster, I highly encourage you to see if there's some sort of relief effort in your area um, via zip code, because you may be eligible for some financial relief when it comes to your bill. Um, it's, 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 you know, again, it's just, you, you don't want to have to be thinking about that sort of thing when you've got life and death kind of situations happening. So. That's some great information and we appreciate you passing that along. Uh, we will definitely uh, make sure that uh, any folks who, who may be affected by that get that information. So Diana, we appreciate your time this evening. Uh, we know you've had a busy day doing other podcasts, so we appreciate you uh, carving out some time for us. And uh, I know for those folks who watched you in the Charlotte area, I'm sure they're happy to see you back again. So I'm like, uh, wait, I know her. <laughs> <laughs> if there's uh, any social media or or anything that we uh, that you'd encourage our followers to follow? Is there anything that um, that you could throw out there? I'm on Twitter. I'm at di di underscore alvear. My last name A L V E A R. And um, I'm trying to think what else. Twitter is good enough. All right. If you want to professionally connect with me on LinkedIn, I am there as well. We appreciate your time and we appreciate you all who are watching tonight. Thank you so much. And we will see you next time here on the Carolina Weather Group.